Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Uberwald to 4X. This is a Pratchett podcast. Number... 48. And I bet you'll be glad to see the back end of 2016. Hello and welcome to the final podcast of the year, the Pratchett Podcast. Episode number 48. I don't worry, it's just sort of the little break I have. And we'll be back at the end of January, as per usual. So it's enjoy your Christmas time type stuff, or hogs watch better said. Enjoy your hogs money as well. <laughs> it's, well, some of us have to work. <clears throat> anyway, with my werewolf asleep to my left of me. We shall get on with the news. Times, times, get your ankle book. Times, times, get your ankle book. Times. Now, we have a lovely little bit of news to start it off with. You want to get your own rat on a stick? Do you? <laughs> yes, well, it seems that the Emporium has been putting out one piece after another. Rather fine pieces, but this one is what they call a, well, it's kind of, they call it a plush toy, which comes from the German plush. Because they don't have things such as cuddly toys in Germany, they call them plush. It's just a description anyway. And, um, well... The, you can get yourself a rat on a stick. It'll cost you thirteen fifty from the as from the <laughs> this world emporium. Do you know I've actually had a cup of tea and a cup of coffee already, and the brain's still giving it. Frrrp. Excuse me if I'm brain farts. Dave will be laughing yourself silly. Anyway, fresh from a Gimlet's whole food delicatessent. This. Favourite among discerning dwarfs is made from 100% free-range and locally sourced ingredients, aka plush, an, ide- an ideal addition to any Hogswatch feast or stocking. Um, treat yourself to an icon Ankhmore pork street cuisine, ketchup and no green wobbly bits. So, um, like I say, you can get that. It's all nicely done and that, and it's all brown and stuff. But there, there are quite a few things uh, out now um, that are fairly newish. You can get your Grebo uh, as as a stuffed toy, Death of Rats, Librarian, and a whole whole ru- uh, a whole range of new stuff there, including uh, some well, for the cook in your life, there are the CMOT Dibbler apron and the Gimlet's Whole Food Delicatessen 
apron as well. So off you go to the Discworld Emporium where the Discworld, the actual website's had a real upgrade and it's it is a real pleasure to look at. So on you go for that. Now the next bit is just a head up to give you lovely people a bit of time until February. Yes. February is when I finally managed to get my thumb at my bahuki and do episode 50 at last. Uh, I thought I'd get there a lot quicker, but mm, by the amount of books and that I've got to go through, it's probably a good idea that I'm actually this slow. So you've got me for a wee while longer now, uh, about two and a half to three years, looking about what I've still got to cover, with an average of 10 podcasts a year. So, which means I'm getting into my fifth year with this. If I'm sort of, well, almost fifth year. Uh, well, we'll be going into its fifth year next year, I think. Anyway, you know what I mean. So, if you want to send in your commentaries to the to Pratchett Podcast at gmail.com. I've got to remember the old one. That's that belongs to Reese. I am basically Pratchett Podcast at gmail.com. Or over the Facebook group, you know, if you're on Facebook, if you're a Facebook user listening to the podcast, then if you type in in the search field, that's the one that looks like the magnifying glass, uh, the Pratchett podcast you should be able to find us, and I'll add you as quick as possible. Now, the thing is, it's going to be a long one, because it's not just because because it's the 50th episode, but it will be... The review of my personal favourite book. Colin, stop shouting. You know what it is. For everybody else, it's Nightwatch. So, my personal favourite book, which means I'll probably be not just reviewing the um, the book, but also the very well done uh, play as well from the BBC. So, if you want to get your um, things in, it's going to be a long one. I am prepared for it to be an extremely long podcast in February. Then send your comments in, you know, whether it be, uh, I didn't think you last this long, git, or something similar. And, um, yeah, I'll be very, very happy to hear from you. And I'm sure Colin will be very, very happy not to have to write so much if you did so. Though I do actually enjoy getting Colin's claxes. So, after this bit, and me saying so, so many times that it'll really annoy Colin, so... Um, I think it's moving on to new members of Zvach. Welcome to the watch. Sergeant Detritus over there will swear you in. Detritus! Yes, Mr. Vines. For anybody who doesn't know, what is the section new members of the watch? Well, that is the list of people who join within the... Realms of the last podcast and the next podcast sort of thing. So this, in this case, would be the people that joined the Facebook group between episode 47 and episode 48. What happens is you get introduced as a new member of the watch. The watch being my sort of favourite area. So all you have to do is you go to Facebook, as I've said in the previous section, put your... Tip your thing in there at the old searchy field at the top, the one that looks like it's got a little magnifying glass to it, and I will add you as I come to it. Right, so the new members of the watch are for this month 
Joshua Garvey, Ali Ahmed Kushk, I think, Till Nyman, David Melton, and somebody who I, I personally, because of a link through a friend, as she was trying to cheer a friend up, Sharon Bellamy James. You know, a, a very good friend of ours, both, said Mr. Who. So, if, like I said, you want to join the new members of the watch, it's the Facebook group. That's all it is. Quite simple, pure and easy. And after this, we will be going into the realms of Collins, Klaxes. I'm calling it that because nobody else is ringing in. Well, at least not that often. Klax! So, we're on to Collins Collexis for this week. So, I've got to see which one's the richest one. Okay, here we go. Amazing Morris Review. That superb feline and his educated mice. Oh, that's what Colin actually wrote was L U C K T mice. I think that's directly for the book anyway. Otherwise known as Amazing Morris and his educated rodents. This was a slight departure for Terry in that it was his first book for younger readers in the five years. Uh, in five, oh, in five years. The last being Johnny and the Bomb, and the first Discworld book for young readers. And it was very well received, winning the Terry uh, the Carnegie Medal in 2001. In his acceptance speech, Terry poked fun at the literary establishment in regards to their slowness or recognition of his writing, saying... Though his work dealt with profound themes, stick in one lousy dragon and you call you a fantasy writer. Admittedly for me, I found the book a bit lacking, but I suspect this is because it's all, uh, because although it's set in Discworld, you really do not know it, uh, apart from talking cat and mice who think they were uh, said they were originally from the Unreal Estate near the university. That's a footnote, by the way. Uh, it is not a full novel being designed for, designed for younger readers or people with a very 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 short uh, span of attention uh, so I thought it lacked depth and so it does compare with uh, Discworld's uh, Brachtonit, Thief of Time and Nightwatch but on subsequent rereads and listenings I find it to be a nice little standalone story it's not very Discworldly but it does arguably prove one of Terry's points that anything could be said on Discworld a story takes place in a small Ubervaldian town of Bad Blintz. Yes, based on where I live. Mm -hmm. It's not where Kellen lives, it's where I live. Anyway, get back to Collins Clucks. Which bears an ever so slight resemblance to the round world told of Hamlin. Second uh, footnote. A town contained apparently a lot of gullible children. Um, don't know, Colin. Couldn't ever say they were gullible. Not very nice. That's, that's somewhere around about the point. Anyway, getting back to things. As always, in a practical novel, things are not as simple as normal. Morris begins his own plague of rats with him. Who themselves have become educated from hanging around Unseen University. They um, give themselves names, mainly read from sides of tins. Like the brilliant Dangerous Beans, Nourishing and Hampork. Terry also introduces the real concept of a rat king which a number of animals whose tails have become entwined uh, to the concept of Rattenkönig. 
seems to originate in Germany in the 16th century and was used to reference uh, one who lived of others. While this is a good book, I'm not sure if this is a good book in uh, which to introduce a new reader to Discworld because there's not enough uh, Discworldliness in uh, the book. Indeed, when this and the first couple of Tiffany Aching series were published, they were not considered to be part of the main series. It was not until 2009 and the publication of Unseen Academicals they were moved into the main series of uh, and all the books published between 2001 and then renumbered. Lastly, this is one of the very few times that I can uh, get slightly confused by Stephen Briggs' reading of the novel. I suspect this is, uh, this is a case of me listening to the books constantly, but here Stephen is presented with a unique book with one of characters. So here he used some very uh, similar voices, or familiar voices, that's what I'd say to that, and that he has used for others. So, uh, for others, so stand, uh, so standalone book for young readers. Uh, hang on, uh, for other character groups. Hello, is it okay? So here he used very similar voices that he used for other character groups in the main novels. I'm reading too quickly. This is particularly this particularly threw me off on the first few lessons, as some of the rats were talking like watchmen and dwarves. So as a standalone book for young readers, it is very good. As a Discworld novel, it is, it's average. So, which Discworld book is next? Well, Colin, thank you, and yes, you're going to have to wait, buddy. Because the next Discworld book is not until February, and you know very which one it is. You know very which well which one it is. So, if you want to send yourself... Uh, no, don't send it to yourself. Then I can't read it if you send it to yourself. If you want to send me a clax, then write me at pratchettpodcast at gmail.com. Don't add the the at the beginning because it'll end up with Reese, and Reese doesn't really have the time at the moment with uh, learning and baby and all that. Baby and Reese and, and uh, Mrs. Reese, hello, Haya, are all doing fine. Haya's very, very busy. So, uh, what's next? Ooh, probably Fool's Guild, where Colin's got uh, some sort of thing about uh, a play he's seen. Back in a bit. So, what has Colin been looking at this time? Well, um, it's the Going Postal play. I got a little bit mixed up. I keep everything in the one uh, folder on my laptop here, and um, sometimes I get it mixed up. So, I probably might apologise if I've read this out already. Uh, I don't think I have. Anyway, it starts off Mrs. Colin. You know the thing about buses. You wait for a play to come along that isn't Weird Sisters. Yeah, I've seen that quite often. Weird Sisters is the most common play. Anyway, and then the same one comes along twice at the opposite ends of the country. So after all the way to Cardiff, going to see going postal in August. Ah, that's why I'm confused. Now a group of only 20 minutes up the road were performing it in a small village, in a small village hall. After Colnbrook's Carpe Juglium, Carpe Juglium, Back in July, my hopes weren't that high. 
Anyway, we found the venue situated down a dark and narrow lane and we were greeted by friendly staff. Here comes the first footnote. And were persuaded to pay the program and a raffle tax. Oh, it's one of those things. Okay. That sounds nice. Initial fears we confirmed. It's Colnbrook again. Not tier seated, a small packed hall. Facilities that were shared between uh, patrons and cast. Here comes the second footnote. And when Reacher's got to go, he's got to go. Seats that look uh, seats that look comfortable, for, but after 30 minutes start to cut off all circulation below the waist. Yes, it's called square bum syndrome. Um, this production of the play was performed by the West Stoning Players in Bedfordshire, UK. And admittedly, after the near-professional performance given the uh, Cardiff uh, Monstrous group, uh, Productions group, I thought this was going to be amateurish, and I was so wrong. Yes, it was different, but it was brilliant. After a couple of minutes of what are they doing, I dismissed the Cardiff production and went with this one. But there were differences. Uh, take the two titular characters, Moyes and the Petition, without whom you don't really... Uh, I don't really, without whom, you don't really, you don't have a really, hello, okay, I think Colin's um, head is mixing up with him, anyway, I'll read it out so it makes sense, without whom, you don't really have a play, okay, get these two wrong and you're in trouble, the card of Moist was younger and slighter, here is played by a slightly older actor, uh, Neil Debrick, who looked uh, to be in his early 30s. I would say that's a perfect, the sort of perfect age for Moist, early 30s. And a bit more worldly wise. This still works for the character as we as well imagine Moist's life as a con man and lasting 10 to 15 years before Veterinari catches up with him. The only issue I had with his performance was the lack of Moist trademark winning smile. The patrician in Cardiff was young, too young according to some, and played it with the understanding authority. Here it was played by Barry Walden, a much older man, probably nearer to the book age of Veterinari, and he played him loud, uh, voiced and domineering, literally leaning over moist at one point. Look, these two have some of the best scenes together. The wordplay between them is wonderful, Mr Briggs of course lifting it straight from the novel. This being a small venue, they did not have a large 15 by 15 meter stage to which to work with, um, but they made excellent use of the space they had. In fact, this being a more traditional stage with backdrops and curtains, probably made this play easier to <clears throat> stage. There was a lot of running into the audience and aisles and using all uh, the whole uh, doors but they were uh, also able to get vertically using the stage trapdoor which was useful for moist escape and the roof uh, of the post office oh, really well that sounds this is brilliant <coughs> excuse me mr pump's costume was interesting many comprised of polystyrene the best way to describe it i think is like a yeti from the 60s doctor who had molded i mean painted in terracotta color <laughs> Oh, sorry, that still makes me laugh. Uh, yet the character was well realised. Adora Bella was played by Sam Cullen, uh, was dressed in black, 
all black, black boots, black stockings with uh, lace wig on the front, black corset, dark makeup. Uh, I lost a train of thought. Oh yes, very gothic. Oh, so <laughs> so something that pleased me then. <clears throat> Again, this is a proper Spike character from the book, not the uh, irrational, vengeful one from the Sky's production. This being a uh, smart cast, quite a few of the parts had to be shared and many had to be gender swapped. Both Mr. Groats, Stanley, Dr uh, Stanley Drumnot and Mr. Pony were played by women. And it worked, particularly with Mr. Grote and Stanley, footnote number three. Although calling a young girl foundling Stanley could explain a number of her physiological problems. Psychological problems, sorry, not physiological. Anyway, and it doesn't matter what sex they are. The only minor gripe is that they did not tweak the script to match the cast changes they had made. All the female characters were still to refer to as he where she would have uh, not seemed to be out of place. Likewise, Moist's age is specifically mentioned uh, uh, where when the actor looks older. Fortnite number four. Apologise to Nair Derek if he's in his 20s, but he still did look older. I have noticed that other groups have tweaked the script in the past to suit their own circumstances. All in all, this is an excellent production, and I was very glad to have my uh, expectations proven wrong. It doesn't matter what size group or what resources you have. If you are a great cast, then these plays, or any play for that matter, will work. Until next time, Colin. Hey, that was fantastic. I rather enjoyed that. Cheers, Colin. And this, uh, like any other things that I keep saying, just send it to the podcast email address if you have any plays, and I'll be reading that out here. Now, all caught up, and I suppose it would be time for my review. Um, but first, the reading of Morris and his educated rodents. Or the amazing Morris and his educated rodents. Sorry, did I make somebody deaf? Hello. Back in a bit. Ratten. Sie jagt die Hunden und bissen die Katzen. Sie. Aber das war langst nicht alles. Wie Wunder, Morris sagt. Es war nur eine Geschichte über Leuten und Ratten. Und der schwierige Teil bestand darin, herauszufinden, wer die Leute waren und wer die Ratten. Okay, I'll stop confusing you there. Moving to the English edition. Rats. They chased dogs and bit the cats. There was a bit more to that than that. As the amazing Morris said, it was just a story about people and rats. And the difficult part of was deciding where the people were and who were the rats. But Militia Grimm said it was a story about stories. It all began, part of it began on the mail coach that came over the mountains from the distant cities of the plain. This was part of the journey that the driver didn't like. The way wound through forests, around mountains, on crumbling roads. There were deep shadows between the trees. Sometimes he thought things were following the coach, keeping just out of sight. It gave him the willies. And on this journey, the real big willy was that he could hear voices. He was sure of it. They were coming from behind him, from top of the coach, and there was nothing but there but a big oilcloth, male sacks and the young man's luggage. 
There was certainly nothing big enough for a person to hide inside, but occasionally he was sure he heard squeaky voices whispering. <laughs> it's just a little bit of fun at the beginning of that reading. I'd actually do have... Uh, the Übervalium version is actually just called Maurice de Akata. No? And I actually have a, a male cat as well. Though he's minus his eggs, as they say in German. Well, in Übervalium. Um, eggs, in English you'd say nuts, male. Anyways, I do actually have a copy of this in uh, Irvalian, uh, which is why I went for that beginning. <laughs> As anybody may know, I live in the area where this story is actually supposed to take place, which means, well, basically, the area of Hamlin Bad Piermont or Hamlin Bad Piermont and um, I have to say this area itself is just full of the stories that you may have known for uh, for but from uh, the the tales that the Grimm brothers actually brought out now I live right slap back in bang in the middle of a lot of it uh, to my north I have Hamlin, uh, or Hamlin as it's probably uh, called, uh, there's Pied Piper Town. Uh, a bit to the east of me is Bodenviada, and Bodenviada uh, is very well known for a certain baron who'd like to tell long tales. Now between there and here, it was supposed to be also the uh, place where the original story of Cinderella took place. And going south, down towards Göttingen, uh, around about Göttingen, uh, we have the area where Snow White was supposed to have taken place. Uh, and that's just, that's just half of it. Um, I can actually recommend going in and reading the original tales uh, from um, the Grimm brothers to find out what actually went on. Now, I will give you a bit of history before I get into the book. Now, as I live only up the road, uh, there are things that are mentioned in books that are in the book that I found is, is very appropriate. Now, yes, Hamlin or Hamlin does have uh, on the rat house itself at the one end, or what used to be the rat house. The rat house has now moved. It's now just called the Hochzeit House, or the uh, the um, the wedding house. I translated uh, where people nowadays. Uh, it's not very much left in it. There's a, a small police station uh, for when anything's happening in the town centre during the day. Um, but otherwise, there are just very few offices for uh, for anything to do with the uh, town of Hamlin and Bad Piermont. Because um, it works here that basically what happens is that you have a group of towns or you have a central town and a lots of... Um, villages around and they'll be grouped into what you call a Landeskreis or a uh, circle or an area. Now this would be a council area uh, in other words. Now of course in, in my uh, Landeskreis we have two towns uh, surrounded by lots of villages so we have the, the town of Bad Piermont and you also have the town of Hamlin. Now surrounding Hamlin and Bad Piermont itself are a couple of other towns 
uh, all beginning with, uh, not all, but uh, one or two beginning with the prefix bad. Now, bad uh, references itself to being a bath town or a spa town. So it's much like uh, Bath in UK or Leamington Spa as an idea. Uh, personally, here in this town alone, here in Bad Piemont, um, you have lots of... Um, well, I say spas, but you have uh, not only the uh, lots of clinics that are to do with uh, rehabilitation for uh, all sorts of ailments, you know, uh, anything from back problems to people who have literally been in nasty situations, uh, are happy to be alive uh, coming out of one accident or another, and they're either learning to walk or uh, or such forth. Um, but we also do have lots of what we call Quellen or springs here and the town is full of them and quite literally it is full of them and uh, the water varies from um, well, mostly lightly salty which is normal uh, as we've got a very good salt bed uh, to being very uh, this one called the Friedrichsquelle which is named after uh, I think it's a, a graf or a, a baron from here from this area uh, which is very full of iron. Now we've got all that going on and we've got all the sort of stuff. So you can imagine this is a very, very, very much a history filled area. In my town as well, we have uh, quite literally have the uh, the mansion house, which is on top, which was actually built on top of uh, the castle. And the castle does have its moat. So we are very much um, <clears throat> very yeah, stereotypical as far as that goes. And all around there are castles and whatnots from the gentry as going on. So that's sort of um, a main background. But the uh, the legend of the Pied Piper of Hamelin, which is what this book was mainly based on, uh, it was a thing back in uh, back in the days, uh, around about the Middle Ages. So we're talking somewhere between uh, 1300 and uh, early 1600s. And... This tale comes from the early 1300s and um, was written up, as I was going to say, uh, it's appeared in the writings from uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, uh, the Brothers Grimm, uh, Robert Browning, and of course our own Sir Terry Pratchett. And basically, uh, it's a disturbing tale. Now, I'll read a bit that I found online that was it's quite, um, quite well done quite well states everything. Many are familiar with the time, uh, story of the Pied Piper of Hamelin. Few realise, however, that the story is based on real events which evolved over the years into a fairy tale made to scare children. Those for unfamiliar with the tale, it is set in uh, 1284 in the town of Hamelin, Lower Saxony, where I live, uh, Germany. I don't live in Hamelin, I live nearby, but I live in Lower Saxony. <coughs> Getting back to this. Anyway, the town was facing a rut infestation and a piper dressed in a coat of many colours, that's why it's called pied, uh, bright cloth appeared. And this piper was promised, uh, the piper promised to get rid of the rats in return for payment, to which his townspeople agreed to. Although the piper got rid, uh, piper got rid of the rats by leading them away with his music, uh, the people of uh, Hamelin uh, went against their promise. Uh, the furious pri uh, pri uh, piper left about revenge on the 26th of July of that same year, the piper returned and led the children away, never to be seen again, just as he did with the rats. Nevertheless, one or three children were left behind, depending on which version is being told. One of these children was lame and could not keep up. 
The other, another was deaf and could not hear the music, while the third was blind and could not see where he was going. Now, the earliest uh, record of this story uh, is from the town of Hamlet itself, uh, depicted in a stained glass window recreated in the church, uh, in the church, which dates around from 1300s. And that church still stays; it still stands. Uh, it's rather good to look at. Um, although it was destroyed, yeah, they say it was destroyed in 1660. The stained glass window is still there. And the church, well, the church was basically rebuilt uh, on the same plot, and the win window is still there. So several written accounts have survived. The oldest comes from uh, the Lunar Bergman manuscript, uh, 1440 to uh, 1450, which stated uh, in the year of 1284, on the day of St. John and the Paul uh, on, on June 26th, by a piper clothed in many kinds of colours, 130 children, uh, children born in Hamlin were seduced and lost at the place of execution near the Coppen. The supposed street where the children were last seen is uh, today is called the uh, Bungalowsenstrasse, Street Without Drums. As no one is allowed to play music or dance there, incidentally it's said that the rats were absent from earlier accounts, and they only added, uh, added to the story in around the middle of the 16th century. Moreover, the stained glass window and other primary written sources do not speak of the plague of rats. Now, before it gets on and deeper into this, the, the actual stained window is probably a reconstruction, but I'm pretty sure it still stands there because I've actually stood out. There are two churches in the town centre, uh, one newer than the other by a vast amount. One was bombed out uh, in the last war and got the nice rebuild. Um, the facts are, yes, we had the Pied Piper in Hamlin and most of it is lodged as said. Now, uh, as a, I was trying to get to before, before I basically lost my thread there, the what used to be the Rat House, which is now called, as I've said, is now called the um, the Hochzeit's House. Um, that is the place where, as in the book, it is mentioned, there is a clock which comes out, I think, every quarter of an hour, every half an hour. And with little uh, mannequins that are dance and are very well uh, animated, the t the actual story is told through the uh, through the clock itself, and the the little characters are basically um, turned through and gone and gone through bit by bit, and uh, includes a whole bit a whole bu a whole uh, I say a whole bunch of music, but a lot of music and chimes. Now, other bits to this would be that uh, started by the British Army before it left about three years ago. Now, the British Army uh, was based in Hamlin, and it was actually one of the units I was actually based in uh, beginning in the 90s, uh, was the the 2H Amphibious Engineer Regiment. And uh, I was there as they started off a, a, th a cooperation with the town to um, basically put on a play. The play includes the children of the town and the army children's way. And they're all dressed as rats at the first bit. And then 
as children in the second bit. It's actually quite uh, the town itself. Now the army's moved out, has uh, still carries on with this play. Uh, with uh, sometimes it's a yearly cycle, and sometimes it's a, a, a bi-yearly, as the Americans like to say, or a two-yearly cycle. On top of all this, um, during the summer months, and sometimes during the winter months, but not as much, uh, a piper is employed. Uh, it's usually a clarinetist uh, of sorts uh, to tell the story. Um, oddly, up to a couple of years ago, the person doing this was a uh, an American spoke spoke or speaks absolutely perfect German, and um, and he was basically brought in because his clarinet playing was basically some of the best that anybody had heard, and they thought it was a really good idea because you know he was supposed to be, the piper was supposed to be an excellent. Pipist. I mean, you say a pipe. It's more as they use a clarinet as the clarinet was more <sighs> parallel or tones to what the the pipe was actually supposed to be playing. Now, getting back to this. Now we've had many pipers in the past, and the newest piper. It's kind of odd that um, in in Cullen's review of Going Postal, just they said the role was changed to being a female. And we've actually got a local female, or local to the area here, who is now t uh, taking over the role slowly, as the uh, as the previous piper is now retiring. And not thing to do with age, but to be, you know, it's it's a it's quite a difficult instrument to play for any length of time. And if you're constantly doing this day in day out, then sometime you're going to get yourself a few, well nasty little sort of colds and viruses and that so that we swap between them so that's the base for this idea of the story of the amazing Morris and the thing about the uh, the rat's tail now the the Rattenkönig uh, or, uh, is an old saying which is not really used anymore uh, and not in this area and the thing is, um, you know, people ask, um, is it, you know, in some tales it's they got took up into the, into the mountains and that. Well, we don't really have mountains here. Uh, as in, if you've ever watched the, uh, the, um, the Englishman who went up a hill came down a mountain, uh, the fact that, you know, 1,000 foot, um, we're all a bit short of that. We're in the just short of 1,000 foot sort of range here. They're not what I call real mountains, uh, but extremely hilly hillsides. And we have the Weser, uh, which is the main river which flows through here, which is a very fast river, which I've actually paddled down myself during my army time, as one of my colonels decided to get the mad idea of putting us all in rafts and having a big old competition. It started off with paddling down the Weser uh, for a couple of well, I say a couple of, it was at least 10 miles down the Weser, which meant uh, a walk back over through countrysides, very hilly countrysides, of about 20 kilometres. 20 kilometres, say about 16 to 18 miles, roughly. Um, it felt like a whole lot more. And at the end of it, we went on to the shooting ranges, and that's why it was such a long, long march. But as I say, the, the Weser is a very quick 
flowing river, so anything that falls into it and cannot swim will drown. It will drown. That's why uh, none of us who, uh, during our army time, uh, went on any boats or uh, went on to what we used to have this... I can't really describe it. It's a, it's a, the German army used to have it. It's, uh, it's a, like a ferry. It swims. It's a squ proper swimming ferry. It was built for that purpose. But nobody went and used these pieces of equipment without actually having a life jacket on them. Because it wasn't advised. Because you fall in that water. And if it's later in the year, it, it's really bloody cold. So... Yes, the area, I can imagine where they went, you know, walking off, though I would have said they've probably been a little bit lazy. But uh, we do have lots of areas that are, or areas around here, they're basically very hilly. And we have the big river, so, you know, there's all that description and it fits to the tail, 100%. No joke. Now, as to the planes mentioned at the beginning, and the bit I read out from the book uh, from Morris the Carter, this would probably be describing uh, the planes uh, from the other side of uh, our area, which leads up from Hanover, or leads down from Hanover. We're actually south from Hanover. And the area flows across. Uh, it's fairly flat there, and then just about uh, as we get into the, the proper Vasa area itself, uh, roughly at a town called Rintelm, and the hills start popping up and they go from here and we get into what we call the Weser Bergland or the, or the Weser Mountainland. We call it Mountainland, we are roughly about 300 metres above sea level. It's not quite there. We're missing about 90 metres uh, at some parts. And at our lowest area where I'm at, uh, it's roughly about mm, somewhere around about the 200 meter mark. Okay, so that's to give you an idea. So, Terry really did do his research on what the area looked like, uh, that the planes were there, and all that sort of stuff. Now, I suppose I better get on with actually uh, uh, with the book part. That was just a bit of information I just wanted to fill you in on to get, give you the sort of idea as somebody who lives where this book is set. Uh, what goes on uh, and how it looks and how it, how it sort of feels like here. Um, the book's very, if a bit dark in description, it describes more sort of the winters of uh, time here um, than the summertime, but um, it's very, very, very well uh, written in descriptive parts. Now, the story originally uh, is the 28th novel and the fifth individual novel. Um, it was released back in 2001. As Colin mentioned, there was a bit of jiggery-pokery bringing it back into the main range sort of things. Um, as Terry wanted to write some proper specific children uh, novels. Uh, I wanted to keep those separate. And it was the winner of the 2001 Carnegie Medal. Which is rather impressive because the Americans, you know, you know what some Americans are like. Uh, especially those who are writing for things like the Times and all the big papers or the Wall Streets and that, uh, the, the, um, the Wall Streets, um, you know, that other paper that actually belongs to the same bloke. Um, they're a bit of, you know, hold the nose high, you know, the New Yorker, all that sort of stuff. It's basically a lot of New York, uh, Boston and Chicago uh, newspapers um, who write, you know, write about this sort of stuff. 
uh, tend to hold their noses, you know, be a bit snooty about this sort of book. So it's not a sort of prescription of the American public as general, but uh, the people who generally um, review these books. Now, the ISBN number is 0385-601-239. And that was for the, that's the, the number for the hardcover. I suppose in a normal um, search, I don't know why I do this. Most people just put a search into... Um, what you call it, the uh, the Google thing, or Amazon. Now, there are a couple of different um, covers to this. Um, my German edition actually has the original cover on it, which I rather enjoy. Uh, my English edition, I'm not sure, I think my English edition is the hardcover, so which also has the same cover, roughly the same cover. Um, and also, uh, there has been an updated version which has the Paul Kidby artwork on the front of it, uh, which is a completely brand new cover, so you might want to go looking for that. As I say, it was a 20th novel, and it's a new take of the t uh, Pied Piper of Hamelin tale. Now you have the young boy coming into the town of Bad Blintz uh, on the on the mail coach, and Morris and the rats are hidden about the coach and making the coach driver rather um, nervous. Now, to quote honest, as, as Colin may cut this down as being not a very um, detailed book, I find it an amazingly detailed book. Now it goes from the points of the fact that uh, you had you'd have your rat catchers in a town, and they'd be paid with either food or a bit of money, and, and possibly if there was rich enough people, you know, some jewels. Now there was also the thing that they like to do, which is basically pull a fast one. So they'd show tales, and this was brought into the book very, very. Uh, well, uh, the, the actual show tales to show, well, we've got to tell them all rats, here's the tale to show them. And often they were either, um, well, bootlaces. Uh, bootlaces uh, in the leathery things, uh, leathery way they looked. And if you have people who didn't know that much or know what a rat looks like properly, then, you know, they're going to look like rat tales to some people. As the bootlaces back then well, aren't, aren't the sort of the things, things that we may know now. now no, nowadays, these leather things, but they were quite a bit thicker, so they could quite look like that. They depend on the the, uh, the lace maker itself, or himself, or the um, the cobbler himself. Now, there are sort of the marked changes. Um, the fact that you've got sentient cats and sentient um, creatures. Um, you have characters like uh, ham and pork. Uh, who really doesn't like uh, Morris? Well, Dangerous Beans, uh, which was mentioned, uh, they took their names from the tins that they read. Uh, and they're uh, practically albino rats uh, who guides them like a guru who wants to start a rat civilization. And you have uh, Peaches, uh, who's this. Uh, well, I, say, I think to me, so Peaches sounds female. I can't remember, to be quite honest. Uh, the, the group scribe and uh, find trickery. It finds trickery unethical. Now they have a book. Now Mister Bunsy has an adventure. This is where things get a little bit more into the depth. Things now, you may have heard of uh, a certain Beatrix Potter. 
Beatrix Potter uh, was a, a female author uh, who produced a, a set of tales, mostly with moral uh, findings, uh, towards the end of the 19th century, I think it was, uh, just a short before the cars came out. And um, she lived down south of England, uh, but ended up moving up to Lake District, which ended up becoming her major home, which where she created these books. Now, Mr. Bunsey is basically based on Peter Rabbit, loosely, and the Peter Rabbit's uh, set of tales, uh, including things like Mrs. Tiggy Winkle, who was a, um, a hedgehog, and uh, that sort of thing. So these tales of morality are loosely based on the set of tales that Beatrix Potter uh, had made. Now, as a child, I had some of the books, including um, the Peter Rabbit. And also, I, uh, for me, and used by my sister later on as uh, she was a small child, um, we had the set of dining plates and that. Now you can go up to the Lake District around uh, Lake Windermere and somewhere around there you will find the museum dedicated to her and you can actually buy this stuff and still uh, the plates included and uh, if you have small children who are just a bit too young for Sir Terry then I can recommend those. Right so that's another sidetrack. Now um, you basically have uh, in this tale two sides. You have uh, Morris and his boy who just wants to play his flute all day long. Kind of reminds me a bit of uh, uh, the lazy, uh, lazy Tristan Farnham from the James Herriot's uh, tales of being a vet up in North Yorkshire. And uh, you know, it's just sort of supposedly the, it's supposed to be the typical lazy muse uh, musician, you know. But then you have uh, a set of people being controlled by the Rattenkönig, which is the, the aforementioned rat, which is, has its tails tied together to produce one huge individual. And as I'm going on here, my werewolf decides to wake up and wants to play. So if you hear the noise in the background, it's just her. Maybe I can get her to calm down a little bit. Now this is good Wednesday. Oh, this is good. Joy's fine. Bob's mention. Yeah. It's my brother's werewolf. Yeah. Oh. Tell this carry on. Now, I don't want to... I don't want to spoil it in any means or ways. So, I will let you know that the book is basically... Um, well, it says shorter. It is... I mean, the German edition is 285 pages long. With the last page being just literally uh, not even a paragraph. Uh, for me personally, it's one of these books I have to, if I'm reading or I'm list or listen to it, I have to be in a certain mood to listen to it because it's it's fairly dark, to be honest. And it's despite it being uh, meant for children, I find it a really dark book, to be honest. The tale is extremely well told and extremely well detailed for how long it is. Uh, going into things and you have your sort of character who draws parallels to sort of this snotty nosed character that we have in a certain uh, Johnny series of books the, the female character you know she's she knows everything though um, you know but she says it's all about the tales and all about the stories and um, 
it carries on sort of about uh, with with Sir Terry's thing about um, you know basically all a story make it a good one. Points now after my long meanderings on this book and this being the last uh, podcast of this year, um, what would I actually say? Um, books out of five. Do you know it's a difficult one? There are some days I will give it a perfect five and some days I'll just give it a three. It is quite literally one of those books. You have to be in the right frame of mind to enjoy it. Uh, if you've got a bad mood, if you're having a bad day, don't pick this one up. It's not the book. If you're in a good mood and it's been a good day and you just want something to relax to and you've had basically just quite literally a really good day, then that is the time to pick it up and get into it. And enjoy the uh, observations and all the minute details that Sir Terry's put into it because, to be quite honest, I can't fault it on that. For the details and the research, uh, it's a five. It's a definite five out of five. But because you have to be in a certain mood to read this, and I can't recommend it to anybody under the age of ten, seriously, anybody under the age of ten might get some nightmares. From either having this read to them or reading this, um, you know, God, it's twelve upwards. That is my that is my sort of thing because you do have horrible little sort of uh, scenarios. It does which can play on your mind, especially if you uh, got the audiobook version on the go. Um, but it's superbly detailed. But I say because of the fact that you have to be in a certain mood to read this, um, it's hard. Say three and a half. Details as a five. It's superbly detailed. It's about the area in which I live, and I've decided to settle, and I'll probably live for the rest of my life. Um, is a five, but as a book itself, three and a half because it's a very very dark tale. Uh, probably leaning towards more towards the original uh, dark tale that the Brothers Grimm actually. Um, said the original you know ones the actual as they say but uh, originally wrote back in the day so next time round in January we shall or I shall be uh, reviewing the last of the Johnny books uh, I've started reading this one uh, I couldn't find my copy and I'm not sure if I actually got an original copy of this I know I have an original copy of the um, audiobook of Johnny the Bomb um, but I do have uh, the original audiobook and an uh, EPUB version I managed to buy, um, which actually reads very easily on the tablet. I rather enjoy it. So um, next time round is Johnny the Bomb, and yeah, listen to the end of the podcast. There's a little message I think you may enjoy. So I wish you all a happy Hogsmanay. I wish you a happy Hogswatch, a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and any other holiday you wish to mention that happens between now and, well, between I come back. Bye for now, and I'll see you next year with episode 49. If you want to contact us, then you can try through the Facebook group, The Pratchett Podcast. 
You can also get in contact over the email. Pratchettpodcast at gmail.com Also on Twitter, you, you, librarian. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.